Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles. I'm your host Angela Martin and joining me this week is Kerry Smith. Also from the band Bug Eye, what a surprise. Oh my God, it's so shocking. She's back again. She did last week's show. She's doing this week's show. Can't fucking get rid I of wasn't me. On the, she's like, yeah, you know, I'm being, I'm being pushed out, people. Just to know. <laughs> it's going to be my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Kerry, since I spoke to you all of like 10 minutes ago? I am doing super fab tonight, actually. Feeling good, feeling vibey. Yeah. Are you feeling hot, hot, hot? I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I'm feeling. I'm just trying to think of something else we can talk about, really, because we just spoke for a very long time. We just did a special podcast episode called The Insider um, for our Patreon um, members uh, to say thank you to our patrons, but also a lot of behind the scenes, honest and frank chat. So if you aren't a member of Patreon, get yourself over there, patreon.com forward slash bug eye and join all the cool kids because we've got a lot of good content there it's where it's at and it's where we reveal all of our deepest darkest secrets sometimes (laughs) 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 to a degree um yeah we also have some some new music going up on there as well we put some up about a week ago and we've got another track going up live all exclusive for patreon members but that's not what you're here to listen to right now is it we've got a free episode obviously going out on all of the usual suspects um and this week we've got we've got quite a cool but obvious theme i think kerry what what is it you tell us so we are talking about songs that have days of the week in the titles dun 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 never been done before (laughs) and what we learned when we were deciding to do this topic is number one there are a fuck ton of songs that have days of the week in the title. Yeah. Like a lot more than I expected. And also are quite heavily weighted towards certain days, right? Yep. So mostly, what, what, what do we decide they were mostly? Well, mostly Sundays. Well, it's kind of the, the it's like the, a long weekend, isn't it? So yeah. it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, that's what, that's what people like to write songs about. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, nobody really gives a fuck. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, people like to write songs about. Yeah, there are there are a few exceptions to the rule, of course. Ruby Tuesday, Rolling Stones, and a lot more. But yeah, it was like scanning down the list. It was like Wednesday is probably the least popular day to write yeah. about. Yeah, and in fact, of the ones we picked, did we pick any Tuesday, Wednesdays, or Thursdays? I don't think we did. Did we? No, no. I've got what have I got in my list? I've got a Monday. I've got Saturday, but Saturday night to be specific. <laughs> and um and friday so yeah i've got i've got a friday i've got a sunday and i've got a monday yeah oh, there you go yeah so tuesday wednesday and thursday remain neglectors we'll have to do another another show just on songs that are like midweek songs i mean we could but we probably won't <laughs> we're just <depends laughs> running out of things to talk about let's be real <laughs> We didn't, we didn't pick those songs for a reason. <laughs> oh, God, God. Well, you know, 
what can what can I say? What 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 have I been up to? I've been been watch binge watching Riverdale, which is a terrible program. Um, and I just had a little bit of a rant about that on our um, insider podcast. But um, but I did also watch. Oh my god! I suppose it's quite good, but I've completely forgotten the name of it. <laughs> um, the Pact. The Pact. I think it was called The Pact. Yeah, you re- Yeah, you. Yeah. you rec- I haven't watched it yet, but you were recommending it to me. It's quite good as as like jumpy horror films go. Um, it's not going to be the best film you've ever seen, but as horror films go, I think it was it was good and not obvious. I'm uh, so, I'm saving yeah. it for a night when I'm gonna make myself some popcorn and uh, mm-hmm. and settle in for a bit of horror movie action and watch yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I recommend that. It's good. I also recommend Des, which was on um, ITV, which is about Dennis Nielsen, the serial killer. But don't do what me and Julia did. Was we were going, oh come on, come on, you know, let's let's watch it then, and sort of clicked for an ITV player and started watching it. And Julia was like, is it just going to be all about the trial? And then we realised about 10 minutes before the end, we were actually watching the third episode, not the first or the second, but the final episode before seeing anything else. Good work. So, yeah. I think I'll watch it in that order if you think. There was me thinking, I was saying to Julia, no, I'm sure it's one of those things where they start off with like the court bit and then it goes to like a flashback of then what happened, like how did we get here? It's like, no, they're, they're doing the sentence bit right now. This is the end. <laughs> well done. Well done. Uh, Good effort. I haven't watched it, to be fair. That's another one on, on my watch list. I haven't haven't managed to get and to And Pembrokeshire yet. Murders. No, that's, I haven't watched that either. That's good. That's good. But um, I talked about that on another episode. Oh, actually, talking about other episodes, um, we did have a message, and I've, I've got to get better at reading things out when people email us or comment and and say lovely things about the show so we had um mark dyer who is also a patreon by the way so big shout out to him um thank you like he he sent an article um about a fella cootie that was in the guardian to us but then he also said caught up with the cockney rejects and crystal palace bowl podcast episode the rejects were unfortunate thanks to the right-wing fugs the first album is excellent, but they are out there with a small tour lined up later this year, COVID allowing. I used to live in South Upper Norwood, not too far from Norwood Junction back in 1990, and I went to a Cure and Pixies gig at the Bowl. Great days, only problem being that gigs were dry. No alcohol licence. The horror. <laughs> I agree. The but absolute I didn't, horror. I, didn't know, Paul, I did not know the Cure and the Pixies played in Crystal Palace Park Amazing. at the Bowl. Um yeah, that, that would have been a really cool gig, given what Paula was saying about the kind of capacity limits and stuff. Yeah. Um, that would have been absolutely legendary to see that. So, um, yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, very cool. So, new music-wise this week, I've got a song from a band called um, The Other Ones, who've just released a single on Friday, 5th of Feb. So I'll be playing their new one. And who have you got, Kerry? I have got a banging track from the dead freights i've not heard of them so this is this is going to be good yeah i discovered them at a this feeling gig i think sometime back in you know the before times when we were you know allowed to gig 
Yeah, I think I saw them at Nambuka, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and they were brilliant. And uh, I'm, I don't know why it's taken me till now to sort of hit them up to, to play a song on the podcast. But uh, today is the day. Brilliant. Okay. So we're talking about songs with days of the week in the title. I barely um, remembered after <laughs> everything we've rambled Well, I just off. literally opened my notes. I was like, oh, that's what we're talking uh, about. I remember why we're here. <laughs> oh, we're in a podcast. Oh, that's what this is. Why I've got a big fat microphone in my face. Right, okay. I, can't, I forget sometimes. I just think we're having a little catch up. I know, I know. But that's why this is good as well. Um, and it stops us from just talking about the C words. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a while then. I was like, oh, what? <laughs> not gonna tell not gonna not gonna tell you the first word I thought of, although I'm Yeah, no, well, well, you talked about enough of that on the inside the podcast, <laughs> Kerry, didn't you? Wow. I did I did nothing of the sort. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, okay. Well, shall I do you want me to kick off? Yeah, kick us off. Why not? I'll give tell you a me, kick. Yeah. Educate me. Educate me about Educate you. Well, this first one, um, is a song I really like, but it also involves true crime. So I was very, <laughs> so very happy with this it one. It is the, the perfect Angela moment when yep. music and true crime come together yep. in beautiful harmony. Exactly. The three songs I've picked, I've got like a true crime. I've got absolute cheese. And then I've got, you know, dead cool. I feel like I've got a good, a good mix of of songs here which probably says a lot about my personality i would say that, that does nicely sum up your personality if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm going to talk about the song i don't like mondays which is by irish new wave group the boomtown rats do you know the song yeah i know the song good do you, do... i don't i don't live under a rock <laughs> if you don't know the song quickly go listen to it <laughs> um anyway yeah so it was by the boomtown rats and what year was it released in? I have no idea. Oh, come on. It's the greatest don't year. Be, don't be quizzing me on things. You know I don't like it. Okay, it was in 1979. It was Your the year of highs and lows in music. <laughs> Shit going down in politics. It was a fucking epic year. Are you, okay, <laughs> just checking. Are you sure it was that year? It def- it or definitely was this an entirely is. different year? No, 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 no. Definitely 1979. Because you do like to believe that everything happened in the year you were born. No, no, no. This it's not did. always the case. I triple checked these facts and I actually <laughs> okay, reread my notes this time. So I didn't like put fake dates in by mistake and get distracted and write about other things. Um, there is a bit of that. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it came out in 1979 and it's about the Cleveland Elementary School shooting in San Diego, mm-hmm. which happened in the same year. I um, did not know that. Yeah, so the song, and it's quite it's quite a shocking story, actually. So I'm going to go into that a little bit. Uh, well, actually, quite a lot. It's the basis of this whole story. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's not be around this. I'm going to touch on it or just talk about it for, you know, half the whole, an hour. The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> so the song went to number one in the summer of 1979 in the UK charts and stayed there for around sort of four weeks. And it's ranked the sixth most successful single of that year. So it did pretty, pretty well. And, you know, I'm going to say, so who was one to five? But I'm just going to tell you, Kerry, because yeah, I know thanks. that you get really upset um, about <laughs> Not things. upset, like frustrated and annoyed. Okay, right. So, <laughs> Gloria Gaynor, what song do you think that was? 
So, so I'm giving you bits of information. Was it, I, was it I will survive? On the button. Well done, Kerry. One point. Yeah. Boom. Number four. Now, you won't get this. So I'm just going to tell you because I think... Well, it says Tube Way Army, our friends electric. Was that like Gary Newman and Tube? Because I thought that was like Gary Newman wrote that. So anyway. I haven't got Yeah, so I think I've written something down quite wrong. There. So, <laughs> forget who before. the artist It'll was. happen again. Our friends electric. Number three, Dr. Hook. When you're in love with a beautiful woman. When you're in love with a beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, number rendition. two, Cliff Richard with We Don't Talk Anymore. And number one was Art Garfunkel with Bright Eyes. The song, if you didn't know, was written by Bob Geldof, who was in the Boomtown Rats. Um, and I kind of forget that he was in the Boomtown Rats. I just remember him just talking about the environment and politics loads. Yeah, it feels, really it feels he's any. almost more just Bob Geldof, the character, than a musician yeah. anymore, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, back to 1979. Um, so he was inspired after reading an article about the Cleveland Elementary School shootings and wanted to, to make this song a focus of it. Um, so a lot of research came from Murderpedia, which is basically the Wikipedia for like murder stuff. I, I didn't um, know that was a thing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I also got um, some bits and pieces from My Favourite Murder podcast, episode 21, if you want to listen to that, because it goes into a lot more detail than I will. And then also, you know, read a few a few articles and watched um, a rather interesting interview with the, um, yeah, the guilty party, let's say, who I don't think is ever going to get out of prison, um, wrongly or rightly, but you can judge for yourself on that in a bit. So... The shooting took place on the morning of 22nd of January 1979 at the Cleveland Elementary School in San Diego, which is in California. Shots were fired from a house across the street at children who were waiting outside the school for Principal Burton Wag to open the gates. The shooter lived in the house and her name was Brenda Ann Spencer and she was 16 years old. Um, using a 22 caliber rifle, she killed two people and wounded nine others. Two fatal shootings were of Principal Burton Wag, um, who was trying to help children, and custodian um, Mike, and I didn't put his surname in, apologies for that, who was shot and killed trying to save Burton um, after he'd been shot. Um, a police officer arrived and he was shot in the neck and survived and eight children were wounded. Now, keep in mind, like, elementary school, these are kids that are going to be aged between, like, five and ten years old. So super, super young. Not that that makes it, you know, that it's it's wrong to shoot them and older kids, it's fine. It's just... No, but it's like... You're right. I I didn't quite, like, catch on to the fact that you were saying elementary school. I was sort of envisioning high school, I suppose. That is... Yeah. more unusual i suppose and i mean the whole thing should be unusual but unfortunately isn't that unusual right in america well, but... because it's it's kind of normal isn't it that it's like someone shoots up like their peers so yeah people, except rather than a sure because this wasn't the school that she went to either. right she so just she just walked into a school and no she lived shooting. across the road and was shooting from her house as the kids oh, were I waiting see. outside to go right. into school wow um 
So further casualties were avoided only because the police obstructed her line of fire by moving a garbage truck in front of her house. In total, she fired around 30 rounds and then barricaded herself in her home for like nearly seven hours. While there, she spoke um, on the telephone to a reporter from the San Diego Union Tribune, um, who'd basically been just re- like trying to find the phone number for all of these houses and dialing random numbers, hoping to, to get through. And they did. Um, and when the reporter um, spoke to, to her... Um, asked her why she was doing this and she said I don't like Mondays this livens up the day oh my god so yeah so ultimately she surrendered and left the house reportedly after being promised a Burger King meal by negotiators I don't know how true that is but I mean the whole thing is completely insane so you know why not that Um, but a bit of background on Brenda actually so her parents having separated she lived with her father and she was like probably quite poor um, and her father was called Wallace Spencer and they both were kind of sleeping on a single mattress on the living room floor in a house that was kind of, you know, strewn with empty bottles of, of alcohol. So basically her dad was probably a bit of an alcoholic. Um, she also said that she'd been subjected to beatings and sexual abuse from her father, which he has denied and it's never been proven, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm. Although Spencer showed exceptional ability as a photographer, so this is Brenda, um, winning first prize in a competition, she was genuinely kind of uninterested in school. And in 1978, staff at a facility for problem students, um, into which Spencer had been referred for truancy, informed her parents that she was suicidal. Um, so she was obviously suffering from depression. That summer, Spencer was known to hunt birds in the neighbourhood was arrested for shooting out the windows of Grover Cleveland Elementary with a BB gun and for burglary. So already showing some some disturbing signs here, right? Um, In December of that year, um, a psychiatric evaluation arranged by her probation officer recommended that Spencer be admitted to a mental hospital for depression, but her father refused to give permission. For Christmas in 1978, he gave her a Ruger 10-22 semi-automatic, 22 calibre rifle with a telescopic sight and 500 rounds of ammunition. Merry <laughs> Christmas! That's completely insane. <laughs> Brendan later said, I asked for a radio and he bought me a gun. Asked why they, she thought that her dad had done that. She answered, I felt like he wanted me to kill myself. Oh my God. It's just... Yeah. You know, like this this is the reason why gun laws in America, and I'm not going to bang on about this, but they've got to change. Oh, totally. They've got to change. You can't just let people just, oh, my God. I, it's my, I mean, the right I, to yeah, bear arms well, is like saying that this is acceptable and it's not. Yeah, I feel like this story for me so far flags up like issues with like dealing with mental health. Yeah. Because very clearly from all aspects of this story, exactly what mental health, yeah. sort of issue she was dealing with is not that certain but she was clearly yeah. dealing with something right and yeah. then yeah like you say gun laws the fact that someone would buy their daughter a gun and loads of ammunition at the age of 16 it's crazy absolutely nuts it's yeah it's it's just unbelievable isn't it but yeah. it happens um brenda was charged as an adult because she was 16 and pleaded guilty to two counts of murder 
and assault with a deadly weapon. On April 4th, 1980, a day after her 18th birthday, she was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Brenda was diagnosed as an epileptic and received medication to treat her epilepsy and depression. As of September 2020, she remains imprisoned at the California Institution for Women, having her last four parole hearings denied. So, um, yeah, and that was for various reasons. So, from reading that, one of them, she said that she, at the time of the killing, she was, like, drunk and had taken loads of drugs that her dad had given her, when, in fact, they did lots of drug testing and she didn't have any drugs in her system, then, you know, it's so each time the story sort of seems to change and uh, not in a convincing way. But I think it's I think it's really tragic that a 16-year-old, one, went down that path and it's like, I don't know that very much has has really been investigated as to why she went down that path. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, you don't just do that. Exactly. Um, why was she depressed? What caused these these issues? Yeah. Um, to me, it doesn't sound like prison. Is, it sounds to me like she should be more in like a psychiatric unit than a than a um, prison. You know, I mean, like she should be yeah. getting help. Like I think there's well, uh, talking is obviously the expert here. Um, obviously, not having a clue, but just based on how that sounds to me, it sounds like you know she's probably dealing with some fairly serious mental health issues that yeah. need to be properly evaluated and treated more than she needs to be well, locked I mean, away and punished. Well, it's, of, you exactly. Know? If you think about like the evaluations that happened before this happened and how she's pretty much been treated anyway, it's, um, but I mean, it's absolutely devastating that someone would do that. I mean, shooting up a school, fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, every like, every aspect of that story is is horrible, right? It, I, like I say, it sounds to me like as much as she's obviously the person that did it, and that's and that's horrific. But I do see, I don't know, that to me, I feel like she's a victim to some extent in that situation mm-hmm. too. But then, yeah, not to minimise the damage that she did. No, um, and yeah, I mean, just the whole. I was, I, I watched. Um, Fahrenheit 11.9 last night yeah and part of that um talks about um school shootings in America and mm-hmm. I mean I, I left I, I it was really interesting it was really good to watch but it left me feeling really depressed about the world yeah. um but um it I don't know it made me I was really thinking like that it shows speeches of um these uh teenagers who were like you know their school somebody came in and and shot and shot up the school and lots of people died from I can't remember the yeah. name of the school but they did loads of campaigning was it Columbine that one that was like no this movie, yeah that was a big one this was Parklands or something like that was okay. the school but these students are incredible and they'd like organised these like amazing marches and protests and everything related to it and had achieved like really incredible things kind of lobbying against the gun laws and everything mm-hmm. um, but yeah it shows them giving these like speeches at these huge marches and everything that they yeah. organized and oh my god it was just ripping me apart like and really making me think like we that's just not something that we live in fear of in this country like no. that's just not something that would happen and I cannot even imagine what it would be like to go to school with that as like a reality of something that yeah. you think might happen or it happening and being there and being part of that like I just it's completely well, this, insane I mean this is known to be the first shooting at school by by a, a kid well a teenager yeah 
Um, and the fact that was in like 1979 and this shit is still happening. It's mad. Today, it's like, when, when do we learn that something like a gun, the whole purpose of a gun is mad. Like, there is no other reason that a gun exists other than to hurt and destroy, right? There is yeah. no other reason for that. You want to go hunting, you want to go to shooting, firing range, whatever, then then that is where you have to fucking check your gun in, right? That's where it lives, in yeah. your local range. And when you go off hunting, maybe then you you check out a rifle and you go, you don't have them at home. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, like we say, like guns are not really a thing in this country in the same way that they are in America. I would be interested to hear what like, you know, our listeners who do live in America, I'd be really interested to hear their thoughts on on it and their their experiences, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. So back to the song. Anyway, it was a success in the UK, but flopped in the US. It's believed that this is because of its anti-gun message. Um, Brenda Spencer's parents also tried to have the single band in the US, but was not successful. Um, The video was directed by David Mallett, and it was one of the first music videos ever to actually have a narrative story to it really even that's kind of a little bit abstract but um yeah there's there's no reference to the shooting as such even though that was the thing that inspired the song but we see like you kind of see like a sort of schoolgirl leave class and return home where her parents are sitting watching t- television it just has like a storytelling to the whole the whole video which wasn't something that that tended to to happen in in that way um in the uk the song won the prestigious Best Pop Song and Outstanding Standing British Lyric Categories at the Ivor Novella Awards. It was also voted 1979's Single of the Year in the British Pop and Rock Awards. And here are some of the lyrics. So the silicon chip inside her head gets switched to overload and nobody's going to go to school today. She's going to make them stay at home and Daddy doesn't understand it and he's always said she was such a good girl, as good as gold, and he can see no reasons. Because there are no reasons. What reason do you need to be shown? I don't like Mondays. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. I've, it's one of those songs that, like, I've heard it and I know it, but I've. It's not a song I've ever like made an effort to listen to or thought about yeah. what it might be about. Or, um, yeah, I had no idea that that was the story behind it. That's yeah, um, fascinating, shocking. Yeah, but that is the story of "Tell Me Why I Don't Like Mondays" by the Boomtown Rats. Wow, there you go i hope you've got something cheery i did well yes i do kind of i'm gonna definitely change uh change the vibe <laughs> with this one yeah. now do you remember the phenomenon that was friday by rebecca black no you don't no seriously no i seriously seriously do not know you literally don't know what i'm talking about no i've got no idea okay I really do I remember. Need to, do I need I, to blast a snippet of this? Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe you can do. Wait, I think maybe let me talk about it first a bit. Okay, go on. Let, then. let me let me like preface it a little for you. Then, if you missed this, then that's crazy. Maybe I really remember it when it happened. I feel like, I, yeah. Anyway, so Friday is a song performed by American singer Rebecca Black. Uh, it was written and produced by Los Angeles record producers, Clarence J and Patrice Wilson. Um, it's pretty much like 
considered by many to be one of the worst songs ever. Really? Yeah. So <laughs> Rebecca Black grew up in Anaheim Hills, California, where she studied dance, auditioned for school shows, attended music summer camps and began singing publicly in 2008 after joining the patriotic group Celebration USA. So in the autumn of 2010, Rebecca Black was in eighth grade. So she was just 13 or 14 years old. And her mother, Georgina Kelly, paid Arc Music, which was the the kind of record company that was uh, run by Clarence J and Patrice Wilson, uh, $2,000 for a package that included a choice of two pre-written songs so that she could get real world experience in the music business. So it was basically like a situation where her parents just paid for her to sort of have this experience of of making a record, yeah, if you like, okay? Okay. Um, so there was a choice of two songs and Black later explained um, that she chose the more innocent Friday of the two songs because the other song was about adult love and I haven't experienced that yet. Friday is about hanging out with friends, having fun, and I felt like it was my personality in that song. I suppose what I'm trying to get across is like just the innocence of, of yeah. this, right? Like it's a very innocent song. She was a very young teenager doing this. Um, so as part of the package, Arc Music shot a video for it, which in January of 2011 um, was filmed at her father's house with like friends and family as extras. Um, and then basically this music video with the song that they made became a viral hit um, starting on Friday, March uh, the 11th of 2011 mm-hmm. when the video's view count on YouTube jumped from around 3,000 views to 18 million in a week. Jesus. This was huge. I can't believe you don't remember this. No, if you've never, if you've never really... heard it, I'll be so shocked. We'll, we'll get to you listening to it in a minute. Okay. Um, so reviewers and bloggers basically queued up to write about how sort of amateurish the production values of the video were, like to an extent that's amusing, that the songs like innocent but simple lyrical content, you know, and Black's auto-tuned vocals, that it's all just terrible and that it's, you know, like I say, largely been called the worst song ever. And I really remember when it came out and being like, this is the worst song ever. <laughs> I think I think now I think you should listen to it. Now, right, okay, because yeah. I've got it, I've got it queued up. Okay, let's go. Right, that. okay. I mean, at this point, it just sounds like a pretty standard pop song, right? <laughs> I have never heard that. I can't believe you've never heard that. It was such a huge, like, viral internet thing. When was um, that? When? So, tw- 2011. 2011. Man, blocked it out. <laughs> I've heard worse songs than that. Like, I mean... Well, I've got, not, I've got, I've got, I have to say, listening to it today, years yeah. and years later, 
I was like, I feel like pop music has become moved in such a way that it doesn't sound as bad as it did back then. <laughs> it, I feel like it was almost ahead of its time at this point. But yeah, I mean, the lyrics are absolutely terrible. Like some one of my favorite moments is, yeah, kicking in the front seat, sitting in the back seat, got to make my mind up, which seat can I take? <laughs> <laughs> the decisions young whole, people have to whole, make. A whole verse about trying to decide which uh, which seat to sit in. To be fair, and this is she didn't write these lyrics, right? These lyrics were written by Patrice Wilson, like one of the adult record producers who <laughs> wrote this song. She didn't write it. And then, yeah, another favorite bit towards the end of the song, lyrically. Uh, yesterday was Thursday, Thursday. Today it is Friday, Friday. Wee wee wee! So excited. We so excited. We're going to have a ball today. Tomorrow is Saturday and Sunday comes afterwards. I don't want this weekend to end. <laughs> <laughs> so it is for me, it was always the lyrics that I hated the most about it. I remember when it came out, listening to the lyrics and just being like, this is the most inane, like <laughs> ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But the thing is, so like I say, but you had all these, so it was just this innocent thing that, you know, her parents sort of bought her as a gift, if you like, to sort of have this experience of making the song. They put it on YouTube and it went viral. And then everyone's lining up to tell, to talk about how awful she is, how awful the song is, how it's oh, like the worst song they've ever heard. Um, she was 13 years old. And at oh. the time she said like, those hurtful comments really shocked me. Um, at times it feels like I'm being cyberbullied and she was absolutely being cyberbullied. Um, so Arc Music offered to take the video down um, from yeah. YouTube, but she refused the offer saying that she didn't want to sort of give the haters the satisfaction yeah. um, that they got, you know, that they got her so bad that she would give up. Um, but her father um, would accompany her in public to guard against potential, like potential people who might accost her or like insult her or anything. Um in an interview, uh, her mother said she was angry and upset after um, she was the after Rebecca Black was brought to tears by comments such as "I hope you go cut yourself and die," Fucking "I hope you hell. cut yeah," "I hope you cut yourself and get an eating disorder so you'll look pretty." It was horrendous. Like the backlash to it was Jesus. awful. Jesus, like people out there, like it's it doesn't matter if she's thirteen or thirty. No. So what? She's written a song and you don't like it. But she didn't even Just... write it. Well, she's got a song yeah. out there, but the fact whether she wrote it or not is irrelevant. The fact is, if you don't like it, don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Why have you got to say stuff but like people, that? But like... people directed like so much hate at her, <sighs> and it and it became the most hated video on YouTube with when with over a million people clicking the like thumbs down <sighs> dislike button, which sent it past Justin Bieber's video for Baby, which had before God. been the most disliked song on YouTube. Um, <laughs> On May 9th, 2011, uh, comments became subject to prior approval before posting. And then two days later, they just disabled all the comments and removed all the archive of the comments because they were so awful. Um, mm. And then by, so by June 15th, 2011, the video had more than 166 million views. Yeah. Um, and I feel like these numbers aren't so massive now, but I feel like at the time, these numbers mm. were like, this yeah. was, were huge. Um and it had 3.2 million dislikes from YouTube users against about 454,000 likes. Um, 
button and it peaked at like the top 20 most watched YouTube videos of all time. God. By the end of the year, it was the most watched video of 2011 with 180 million views. Um, with the runner up being uh, a video called Ultimate Dog Tease, which is where a dog owner taunts his pet with food and the animal appears to reply in English. And in third place was Lonely Island's Jack Sparrow clip, which featured Michael Bolton as an obsessed fan of Pirates of the Caribbean, of the Pirates of the Caribbean character, <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Um, so that was what was going on in 2011, folks. This is what people Exciting. cared about on YouTube in 2011. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, so basically she's just this 13 year old, right? She receives all this abuse, which I have to say she like weathered surprisingly well where some may have like really mm. suffered like she was really yeah. strong through it all um and after the news broke that friday entered the top 20 um of the itunes sales chart she announced that she would donate part of the profits from the song to school arts programs and relief efforts in japan following the 2011 earthquake and tsunami so you know despite all this hate being leveled at her yeah you know she didn't even you know want to keep the profits mm-hmm. um and then there was even um, another uh, person involved in the in the video called Benny Sinkle um, or Kinkle. I'm not sure Benny Kinkle or Sinkle, who appeared in the in the music video as Rebecca Black's friend, um, and it sparks like a whole GIF frenzy because of her like mm. awkward dancing in the clip. Um, and there was like a whole meme about that girl in pink that was around her. All these like crazy internet shit that happens. Um, and she also became the target of online bullying because of all of this. But she used the negative attention to start um, the non-profit That Girl in Pink Foundation, which is dedicated to preventing teen suicide. So they really took like all this sort of negativity and bullying that was leveled at them and sort of tried to turn it around. That's really cool. Yeah. But and what's then, a fucking shit thing? Oh, but people are just fucking horrible. Um, so a few fun facts. Go about- for it. About Friday by Rebecca Black. In case you were wondering, Friday was written on a Thursday. <laughs> was it? <laughs> <laughs> Not a Friday. Um, the Friday music video has been watched more times than there are Fridays in recorded history. Really? Yeah, it's That's quite a, a cool fact. fact. Isn't it? That's a good fact. <laughs> Thought you'd like that one. Uh, and finally, uh, well, this is more just, uh, I like this as as a fact that she, her sort of, you know, not giving in to all the negativity around it. Yeah. She actually recorded a sequel a couple of years later called Saturday. So there is also a song <laughs> called Saturday that she did, which is the sequel to Friday. Oh, she didn't give up then. So that's... No, she didn't give up. Um, so yeah, I can't believe that you were never aware of any of that. No. Like I really remember no. it being a huge deal. No. That you missed out on a on a pop pop culture moment. Yep, completely missed that one. Um, so yeah, it, um, for those that do remember it, they probably already knew most of that. But just to like understand the real the, the scale of it, like I remember all of it. Like I remember yeah. the song being this massive viral hit. I remember that all the bullying that that happened. Um, yeah, a weird. It was a weird moment in one of those weird internet moments where something really yeah. takes off um, and becomes just this whole thing out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, I just I didn't know any of that. 
Yeah, and I didn't even think the song was that. You know, it's not my cup of tea. But I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't hear it. Think, oh my god, that's awful! I, I mean, really, you know, there were so many I really songs did. There were shit lyrics. Come on! I really did have a moment listening yeah. to it today, where I was like, I remember first hearing it and thinking it was awful, and listening to it today, it doesn't sound as bad to me as it did then, which I can't help but feel just says something about you, the way that pop music has gone. <laughs> it could be, but also, do do you think? Did you you heard about the song? because of all the negative mm. shit was that was being put out around it so do you think that might have influenced your your thoughts on it yeah definitely yeah could definitely be that as well um yeah you're probably right and also maybe you know grown older wiser less judgmental of things in life taste your music downhill <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. Because we've got some new music to play, which is awesome. I was I was um, <laughs> much more discerning when I was younger than I am now. <laughs> but no. Um, but I have some new music, which is definitely brilliant. And yeah. that, I think everyone will agree, is brilliant. Um, so yeah, the song I have for you today is Fever and the Thunder by the Dead Freights. They are a Southampton-based quartet who describe themselves as gothic poetry spat over disco nirvana, putting the ABBA in Black Sabbath and Jarvis fronts the fronts idols. Ooh. Which is a pretty cool description, I feel. So Fever in the Thunder was released at the end of last year, and here it is. Rotten tea on a killing spree Crooked fingers crossed A tail between your legs around
That was The Fever and The Thunder by The Dead Freights. What did you think, Angela? I really liked it. It was quite edgy, wasn't it? It's really- like, I don't know, it, it kind of had some unexpected moments and I really liked the way the, um, the, the kind of guitar sort of springs in from, from nowhere with like a short little riff that's quite catchy and cool and then it's gone and then it's, yeah, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, totally. I really like the song. I think it's got sort of a really nice feel and groove to it. You've got like the mm. kind of those spiky guitars that you're saying about the sort of come in and out, really like groovy bass line to it. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they come in with like the classic disco beat in the chorus, just like mm-hmm. us, because the, can't, the... can't fail. Disco beat doesn't fail. No, so like that vocal just really ties everything together and is so strong. Um, yeah. That, yeah. And the way the music just sort of weaves around that. Yeah, I don't know. Really like that. It's I'm really cool. Listen to more of their stuff. I'd never heard of them before. Yeah. Like Friday Night by <laughs> whatever her name was. You know. She'd already um, forgotten Friday by uh, Rebecca Black. No, I think it's really cool. Like, like I say, I saw them what was probably ages ago now. I can't remember. Um, but they really grabbed me. Like, they're a band I hadn't seen or heard of before. Um, and yeah, they really grabbed me. Um, and yeah, I want to I wanna hear more and see more of them. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm de- going to be uh, having a little listen and I'll check them out on Bandcamp and see see what, what else I can buy. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Go, go check them out in all the places. They're in all the places. Facebook, yeah. Insta, and, Twitter, Spotify, Dead Freights. And if you feel that you can't type because you know, <laughs> you're too lazy, we've, we'll put the links in the show notes. We will. So you just need to click. One finger, click. That's it. Done. We do we do all the work so you don't have to. Exactly, exactly. So we're talking about songs with Days of the Week in the title. Are you ready for a bit of cheese? Always, always ready yeah. for a bit of cheese. So this is the song that people love because it's happy, simple and repetitive. And they also hate it for exactly the same reasons. I'm going to talk about Saturday Night by Wigfield. Now you must you know this one. I absolutely love this song. This song is school discos for me. I've got so many memories of dancing to this song at school discos growing up. I mean it's it's another song that people've gone, it's awful. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna tell you a bit about it and it's like, okay, yeah, you might think it's awful, but a lot of people didn't. So <laughs> um yeah, I mean the um the lyrics, Saturday night, I feel the air is getting hot. Like you, baby. I'll make you mine, you know, I'll take you to the top. I'll drive you crazy. Um, yeah, and it, I think that sets the tone, really. The rest of those out. It's all you need you to go. know. Next song. All you need to know, but the end, no. So Saturday Night is a song by Italian Euro dance project, Wigfield. Didn't know they were Italian. Yeah. 
um, which was performed by Danish-born Sunny Charlotte Carlson, um, who took the stage name as Wigfield. Um, it was the first sort of it was first released in 1992 in Italy, and in November in 1994 it was released to the rest of Europe and experienced worldwide success. So that's that's quite you know a long a long period of yeah. time from a release to to actually becoming a big a big hit. Um, so, but who was Sunny Charlotte Carlson, aka Wigfield, and how did she come to be and get involved with the song? So Wigfield studied fashion in Copenhagen, then decided to go to Milan um, and show the Italians how it's done. But that didn't work out. Uh, She didn't become Vivian Westwood. Um, (laughs) She then got into modelling by day and working as a PR for clubs at night. And one of those clubs was was a DJ, David Rivier. And he was part of a kind of music production duo and he persuaded her to sing for them. For years, no one was listening, and just as she was about to quit music, they came up with the track Saturday Night. Although this would go on to be a big cheesy hit, at first, absolutely no one was interested. Um, Shipped around to record companies, and everyone was just like, "Mm, no. Uh, The song, when it was recorded, was done in about 20 takes and sliced together with all the best bits. I suppose you could say the song is like a nursery rhyme, really, the way that it's song it's it's kind of very uh young naive sounding yeah it's not yeah it's yeah quite cheesy and it's it's about what girls do when they're getting ready to go out essentially and about getting hot when they're dancing that is what the song is about (laughs) brilliant um she named herself wigfield by the way after her old music teacher so obviously someone who had a bit oh. of impact on No, it wasn't her. it wasn't something to do with the field of wigs. No, that would have been a better story. I wish that that was what it was. Can we make that, a story yeah. up about how um, one day she, you know, stumbled into a field full of wigs or that you know she's been played since she was little about like a nightmare. Yeah. of um, a field of wigs so she thought she would own it by calling herself Wigfield. Yeah, cuz her mum would always wear wigs or something. Something like that. <laughs> so that's, I think it's a lame story I think we just stick to the sentence it was a music teacher's name um, <laughs> so like I say it was first released in Italy in 1992 then became a number one hit in Spain at the end of 1993 and in 1994 it became a hit with British holidaymakers on the continent at the end of the year leading to huge demand for the track to be released in the United Kingdom the single was not released in North America until February 1995. You can, sorry, you can just, you can totally picture those British holiday makers, right? Yeah. In Spain or whatever, just like Saturday night. Fag in hand. Yeah. Vodka tonic, whatever. <laughs> or some exotic looking. Got to be sangria, cocktail. right? Sangria or sex on the beach or something like yeah. that. Um, but anyway, it's a pretty long journey for a single, right? From from 1992 to 1995 yeah. of it being released. Song's got legs. Right? It's got legs. It <laughs> certainly has. It certainly has. Um, so the single went straight, straight to number one in the UK single charts, um, dethroning Wet, Wet, Wet's 15-week chart topper, Love Is All Around. Mm. I feel it in my fingers, feel it in my big toe. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, oh, I would say that's probably one of the most irritating songs. That is an irritating song. Anyway, despite the fact that that song, Love Is All Around, um, increasing its sales by 65,000 from the previous week, so it was still, it was climbing in sales rather than, like, you know, winding down. So that song was still pretty hot shit. Um, Saturday Night basically sold 1.8, no, 1.1 million copies in the UK so you know nothing was touching it it went to number one Uh, the song also reached number one in Germany Ireland Spain and Switzerland and it became a top ten hit in Austria Denmark France Iceland Italy the Netherlands Norway and Sweden outside of Europe the song peaked at number three in Zimbabwe um, and number 19 on the US billboard hot dance club party party that's wrong I'm going to say that sentence again (laughs) it reached number 19 on the US Billboard Hot Dance Club play chart um, that's quite a mouthful it is a mouthful it really reminds me of the sort of the story of um, I'm blue that I talked about the other time it's very similar right like coming out of Italy and having the same sort of delayed thing of becoming a hit and then becoming a hit everywhere and both being absolute staples of, of school discos well, it was, it was basically completely ignored until, like, a radio station picked it up. Yeah. And then people were just, you know, the demand started to build for it. So even though it was a no from everyone to release it, they went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it became this massive success. Um, there was also a dance routine. I was about to say, it song. had a dance routine. I was thinking that. I was I was it thinking, did. I'm sure it had a dance routine that I remember from school disco. But do, do but you I can't remember, remember what it video? was. Do you remember the music video? So it's Wigfield... In a towel, um, like, so she's just got out of the shower. She's got a towel on her head. She's wrapped in a towel, and she's looking in the mirror. And she's—it's basically about her getting ready to go out. No dance in there, right? So, in fact, no one really knows where that dance routine came really? from. It was nothing to do with the band. Um, it just seemed to sort of spring out of out of nowhere. There's been a suggestion though that some sources say it began as some kind of aerobic routine mm. by a gym instructor or like some someone at a sort of holiday club in Spain on a resort. Yeah. And then with the song, the dance came back to the UK and there you go. I mean, Lord knows how we, at the age of, I don't know, what, like young teenagers in school picked up this dance routine from, but it was very much just one of those ingrained things that it had this yeah. dance routine. Not yeah. that I can remember, I can't remember what it is now. But I remember there was a dance routine that went with it. There was a dance routine. And also, because it was the fact that, you know, there wasn't YouTube. It wasn't like yeah. you could look at TikTok and people are doing this dance. So where the fuck did people find out about I really, it? Yeah, it's so true. Like, I mean, there were so many songs at school that like, at school discos, they all had dance routines through. I've got no idea where we picked them up from, though. Like, you could understand if it was in the music video, but it wasn't. So, yeah, yeah anyway. Nice. There you go. Mystery. Um, there were t- my last little fact about it. Told you that it, my my long one was done at the start. The rest it gets shorter <laughs> and shorter. Mine so are my a little third like that one as well. is super super <laughs> short. Right. There were two claims of plagiarism. Uh, plagiarism. Sorry. With this, it was alleged that the track ripped off both Rubber Dub Dub by The Equals and Fog on the Tyne by Lindisfarne. Um, both claims were dismissed, but you can judge for yourself because I'm going to play you just some little snippets, right? So first of all, I'm going to play you 
the classic Saturday Night by Wickfield. Um, can I just find the single? Oh my god, I remember that opening so well. Yeah. I like the dancing, Kerry. I feel like it was like something like this. I can't remember. Right, well, that's that's enough of that, right? But <laughs> that's all you need. Um, so let's do this rubber dub thing. Rubber dub. Oh, where's it gone? I thought I thought I had it. The... Oh, there we go. Saturday night and I'm sitting in a tub. Can't see my baby. I think yeah, there's a legit. You can you can hear something similar at the start of the song, Um, and then we've got um, fog on the tine. Let's see. Not not hearing it so far. I don't really hear. Not so sure about that one. That's a tune, though. Yeah, no, that that's, that's a good. That's a good one. Right? No, no, but I don't so, think I've heard that before. That's no. a tune. I'm gonna go check that out. It's a good song. I'd never heard of either of those. Uh, the opening line of the first one, though, fair enough. But yeah. you know what? You listeners decide for yourself. We but are that not. Was, we are not judge and jury. No, we are on not. Rock pop rambles. No. So that was Saturday Night by Wigfield. Tune. Happy, happy to to be reminded of that. Bringing back I mean, all I of the all of the childhood memories. Couldn't really stand the song when it came out but uh you know i was listening to lots of um what was i listening to when did i say it came out mid 90 oh i was i was into elastica and and all of that all that it stuff. all it makes all me stuff alice in chains and things so <laughs> this, this is a uh, yeah certainly something i wouldn't have listened to but i don't think it's a terrible song it just makes me think of now. school discos do you know what i remain scarred by from school well, not scarred by but like I look back on it and I find it disturbing from school discos. Is the what? song and I thought of it when you mentioned the cocktail sex on the beach. Was the song Sex on the Beach by what are they called? I can't think what they're called, the band. Wait. No, I'm gonna Google it now. I'm gonna wait. Competition who can get there first. Oh, it's kinda of saying sex on the beach recipe. That's not what Teaspoon. What? No. Was it was it song by Teaspoon? No. DJ Salt, there's loads of songs called Sex on the Beach. Oh, this is a nightmare. Wait. It's not the one I'm Pop thinking of. Pop can. <laughs> this is Maybe it's just not at all by who I think. Venga Boys by the Venga Boys. Oh, right, okay. Sex on the Beach by the Venga Boys, right? Now, I remember that being a staple of school discos when I was in yeah. as young as primary school. And I can mm-hmm. remember in primary school that we used to do a dance move to that song. Where yeah. we would like basically get on the floor and like hump 
the air <laughs> in primary school. Oh, God. That's I will, awful. It's quite hard for me to demonstrate it to you right now. I will demonstrate it to you at some point. But it involves yeah. sort of like, you'd sort of drop back on the floor like this. And I know. Sort of the like, mo- pump like that, right? <laughs> I know the move. <laughs> <laughs> you know the move. <laughs> so... But in, I remember, I vividly remember doing that in primary school. Well, I went to a Catholic primary school called St. Helens that was actually run by nuns. And you so weren't there listening was none to Sex of this on the Beach and doing dirt, hum, humping dance moves. No, bills. no. But, I, I, but again, I've got no idea where we picked that up from. Mm, disturbing. Anyway, <laughs> I have thought about it many a time since I've become an adult. Just like, I don't understand what was happening there. And how that was acceptable and that nobody stopped us. <laughs> I just, I remember going to like this um, school, like after school club thing. Not at my school, it was someone else's school and you'd pay 20p to get in or something <laughs> stupid like that. But they had like a kind of um, music bit where people could just bring in mixtapes and stuff. And there was this boy who basically always dressed up as Michael Jackson. I mean, it was only about like 11 or something. Um, and would just do all the Michael Jackson dancing, and I just thought he was he was beautiful. Did you? Well, and I think back now, it's like quite. You know, I don't think he was cool. At all. <laughs> I think it was quite tragic. But but yeah, everyone just sort of sat there watching, thinking he's a god. Amazing! I love that. <laughs> Doing Michael Jackson with his one glove on. <laughs> simpler, simpler times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what have you got well, for Well, from that, I'm going to take us to a slightly darker place. Um, and I'm going to talk about Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Um, so it was the opening track from their 1983 album War and was released as the album's third single on the 21st of March, 1983. So mm-hmm. a lot... What were you going to say? No, I just agreeing with you. Oh, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I it felt like, thought it was the start uh-huh. of a sentence that I had uh, cut off. No. Um, so along with New Year's Day, it was sort of one of the songs that helped you to reach a wider listening audience and kind of started them on the path to becoming a household name and the sort of huge superstars that they would become by the end of the decade. So there are two Bloody Sundays in Irish history. Um, the first was in 1920 when British troops fired into the crowds at a football match in Dublin in retaliation for the killing of British undercover agents. Um, and in fact, you two have played several times at Croke Park, which was the at Croke Park, which was the site of the 1920 Bloody Sunday in Dublin. Um, and then the second Bloody Sunday was on January the 30th, 1972 when British paratroopers killed 13 Irish citizens at a civil rights protest in Derry, Northern Ireland. And that's the one that Mm. the song is more about. Okay. Um, So I don't know anything about any of this, to be honest. So I've had a little look into it today. So Bloody Sunday, or also known as the Bogside Massacre, um, was a massacre on the 30th of January, 1972, in the Bogside area of Derry, Northern Ireland, when British soldiers shot 26 civilians during a protest march against internment without trial. So that refers to the mass arrest and imprisonment without trial of 342 people suspected of being involved with the IRA. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so in this massacre, 14 people died, 13 were killed outright, um, while the death of another man came four months later, but was attributed to his injuries from that day. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the victims were shot while fleeing from the soldiers, and some were shot while trying to help the wounded. So they were very much, you know, they weren't armed, they weren't fighting back, they were running away. Um, and other protesters were injured by shrapnel, rubber bullets or batons, um, and two were run down by army vehicles. Um, so that was sort of what, that was the event that kind of inspired the song, I suppose. Yeah. But the lyrics are more a sort of non-partisan condemnation of the historic bloodshed in Ireland in general, um, mm-hmm. and more about the interpersonal struggles um, than about the actual events of that bloody Sunday. Yeah. Um, So Bono started writing this um, with political lyrics condemning the IRA, um, but then he sort of changed them to point out the atrocities of war without taking any sides. Um, I feel like there's a lot of like, they sort of wanted to be political with it, but like didn't want to be too political with it, if you know what I mean. Um, So... Bono was trying to con- also was trying to contrast um, the 1972 Bloody Sunday Massacre with Easter Sunday, which was, you know, a peaceful day um, that Protestants and Catholics both celebrate. So it was kind of a song that was trying to be a stand for everything, right, in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of trying to be more general and be able to be attributed to multiple different... Um, what am I trying to say? was it was it like kind of just like a a social commentary of the time of looking back and where we are now and yes yeah thank you for saying my words that I wanted to say well it's getting (laughs) late and you've drunk quite a lot of beer so (laughs) I haven't drunk that much beer um it's also been a long day um so uh it's considered one of you two signature songs and it's one of the band's most performed tracks um Bono used to introduce it at concerts by saying, this is not a rebel song. And you see that on the on the music video. You see him do that. Um, and while performing, he would wave a white flag as a call for peace. Yeah. Um, which has become sort of an enduring image, thanks to the music video as well. Um, which was taken from a live performance that's part of their Live at Red Rocks Under a Blood Red Sky concert film. Mm-hmm. Um, the drum part, as, as I'm a drummer, we'll talk about the drums, because um, Larry Mullen's opening drum pattern is quite an iconic sort of drum beat. Um, and it's actually one of the song's main hooks, that drum beat, like it's one of the things that makes it really recognisable, has kind of like a military feel to it. I'm joking, Gary, I never noticed it. What did you say? I said I never noticed the, drum, never noticed the drums in songs. You, you will have noticed these ones. I'm joking. <laughs> um, and uh, also, just interestingly, uh, the producer Steve Lillywhite um, wanted wanted to get a full sound with sort of a natural echo on the drums, so they recorded it in a staircase of their Dublin recording studio. Got to love a story about drums being recorded in staircases or bathrooms <laughs> or parking lots or something. Um, So the drummer um, Mullen said about the song in 1983, we're into the politics of people, we're not into politics. Like you talk about 
Northern Ireland, Sunday, bloody Sunday, people sort of think, oh, that time when 13 Catholics were shot by British soldiers, that's not what the song is about. That's an incident, the most famous incident in Northern Ireland, and it's the strongest way of saying, how long, how long do we have to put up with this? I don't care who's who, Catholics, Protestants, whatever. You know, people are dying every single day through bitterness and hate, and we're saying, why, what's the point? And you can move that into places like El Salvador and other similar situations, people dying. Let's forget the politics. Let's stop shooting each other and sit around the table and talk about it. There are a lot of bands taking sides, saying politics is crap, etc. Well, so what? The real battle is people dying. That's the real battle. So the song sort of has that enduring resonance. Yeah. You know, where it resonates with so many different things that have happened. Um and it sort of has shown that as well in the fact that when they recorded the song in Denver for their Rattle and Hum movie um, on November the 8th, 1987, it was the same day as the Enniskillen massacre where 13 people in Northern Ireland were killed by a bomb detonated by the IRA. And they were really angered by the fact that that happened, obviously, when they gave that performance, which led to like a particularly emotional performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of took on new meaning again as the conflict in Northern Ireland continued through the 90s. So, like I say, it's one of those songs that sort of has this power and resonance across like events that that keep happening, um, yeah. sadly. Um, and I think for, for all of that is why critics rate it among the best political protest songs. Um, and it's been covered by over a dozen artists um and it was named the 272nd greatest song by rolling stone on their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time so yeah it's a great song i'm not a huge fan of you two but i do really no, like that same. song but the, but the, there are a few songs that you two do that that are absolutely incredible that being one of them but yeah it's like you say i'm not like a huge u2 fan but like great respect for that that song yeah, definitely. But good job. I didn't know didn't know a lot of that. So, yeah, really interesting. I like. I don't know a huge amount about Ireland's history, really. I sort of should find out more. I think um, found out a little bit more today just through doing this. Um, but yeah, just one of those really great songs that just keeps resonating over time and really captures mm. um, something in it. I yeah. think you know, always, always more to learn in the world. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, there is more to learn. There's more to learn about new music. So should we listen to something? Yeah, let's do it. Right, I've got a song by The Other Ones, and it's called Forever Young. It came out um, Friday Just Gone, so the 5th of February. And uh, The Other Ones are a London-based band signed to Reckless Yes Records. I think that's quite a recent signing, actually. So they're now label buddies of ours. Woo-hoo as well and uh, i know i keep playing stuff that's been coming out on reckless yes but it's because it is also really good it is um so i suppose what you can expect from this song before i play it is a bit of sparkle there's certainly a kind of sunny nostalgia about this one nice jangly guitars but the vocals have got some real grit to it and listen out for some nice fuzzed up um guitar riffs in this one folks it's really it's really quite cool so this is the other ones forever young Like a dream, oh no, no, no You find me on the beach 
So that was the other ones with Forever Young. So what did you think of that, Keza? I really liked it. Sort of like super cheery, kind of summery vibes, I feel. I feel like I want to listen to it while sort of having a picnic in summer. Yeah. Sitting in a park, eating some cheese sandwiches or something. It is a very sunny summer song. But did you get what I mean by the nostalgic thing? It's something kind of very 80s about it. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'd Kids of you... America kind of esque, but obviously doesn't sound like that. But yeah, something eighties about it, but also very now as well. So I'm not saying they're sounding like an eighties band, but there is that kind of vibe to it, though. Yeah, I know what you mean about the nostalgia thing. Um, I totally get that. It does just give you that warm, to know that like warm nostalgic feeling inside. I feel. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No. 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 When you I listen do. to it's... it, and um. Yeah, just really, really strong kind of poppy vocal hooks as well, yeah. I think, that just really grab you like straight from the off. Well, it's, it's also, so it makes me smile and it actually makes me feel like we, we will be back having picnics yeah. in the park because obviously we won't be allowed in pubs still by then. But, you know, <laughs> we will we will be meeting up and uh, not as young as we were, but, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> forever but, young at heart. But forever young at heart. <laughs> Um, exactly yeah it's definitely a song that makes me feel like the world isn't ending right now which is a good thing exactly and they've got an album coming out folks at the end of february uh, i can't remember the exact date but yeah that's out on reckless records go to Bandcamp and look up the other ones because i'm sure they'll have pre-orders available of this album so please you know do do new music service and, and pre-order albums. It really does make a difference. It makes them smile when they see how many they've got on the day of release. And, uh, yeah, and if you do it by Bandcamp, they just make so much more money than it just being streamed. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's all I've got to say on that one. Yeah, go do it. I definitely want to hear lots more um, from them. So an album sounds super duper exciting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if it's anything like that song, it would just be... Something to just make us feel better full about of the joy. world right now, yeah. Talking about being full of joy, do you want to hear my next story? And this is very short, this one. Bring it. Um, I'm going to talk about Friday, I'm in Love by The Cure. One of my all-time favourite songs. The song they love and also hate. <laughs> just <laughs> tell, like me to, tell me why. Tell me why. Tell you why. Um, anyway, it's an absolute classic as you know, but it's still not my favourite Cure song. I mean, it's certainly like the, the poppiest thing they've done. It's probably actually the most well-known song yeah, probably. by The Cure, isn't it? And uh, in fact, it was actually the, the band's biggest hit to date, if you're talking about kind of chart success. Yeah. They've not they've not done anything that was as successful as, as that song. And it is certainly the most pop the band have ever Gone sure. with with that. Speaking with Guitar World, um, Robert Smith opened up about the track, and he said, "I remember driving home one Friday afternoon to have the weekend off, and I started to think of this really great chord sequence. I was about twenty minutes away from the studio, so I turned around, went back to the studio, and everyone was still there. Um, the song was actually recorded on a Friday. <laughs> Got to love it when so, that happens. Yeah." Yeah, exactly. During the writing process of the song, Robert Smith became convinced that he had inadvertently stolen the chord progression from somewhere. And this led him to a state of pure paranoia where he basically called everyone he could think of 
and played them the song and asked, have you heard it before? Have you heard it before? And none of them had. Um, and then Smith just realised that, you know, it, it was the melody was completely his. It was it was unique. And, you know, I don't think there's ever been a case brought against a song. So it was just, you know, I suppose something that as a band, they weren't really used to writing that type of song. Yeah. And catchy as hell and just thought this this must be this must have come from somewhere else we don't write this this must have come from somewhere but, else but i also think that we all have those moments when we're writing things yeah. like we've done that lots of times yeah where we've been like i'm sure that this sounds like something and then we can't figure out what it is and we think it's probably okay or sometimes we do figure out what it is and we're like it'll be fine <laughs> yeah there was a song i won't mem- i won't mention which which song but we used to just call it the Madonna song for a while. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a Madonna song, but there was a bit of it. I was like, are you sure that doesn't sound like, you know what? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not mentioning it just in case someone listens yeah, to it. We, goes, we yes, won't, it is. <laughs> we, won't, we won't draw attention to it. No, no. Moving on, moving on. Um, like I say, it was actually recorded on a Friday night. So from then on, it was always called Friday. That was the song. Um, before it had any li- lyrics then when it came to writing the words I thought why don't I do a song about that sort of Friday feeling that, that you get and it's the thing that you have at school lots of people at work and jobs and that they don't really enjoy but everyone looks forward to Friday and you get that sort of Friday afternoon winding down it's the weekend you can escape um, it's something that you look forward to which if you think about it, it's quite tragic isn't it that we spend most of the week wishing time away yeah it's really sad for the weekend yeah really. so so many of us live for the weekend yeah. it's something i try quite consciously not to do but no. it's really hard not to do it sometimes no i mean yeah it's uh i think i think you're very lucky if you end up having to you know master of your own destiny in a way and you take that that leap like when me and julia set up our own business and it's a scary thing to do, but um, but being your own boss and working because not, I mean, obviously we've got to work, so we've got to pay bills and stuff like that. But it just it just feels like you don't have to ask people's permission, yeah, to, to be, you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, for me it's like because I mean I work sort of you know a Monday to Friday nine to five, but my way of trying not to live for the weekend is to not think I can't do things like in the evenings during the week. Like I think you can get into a real mindset of like, oh, you've got to get up early in the morning. So you don't want to do something on weekday evenings. But I try to make a conscious effort to not think like that and do things if I want to and deal with the lack of sleep, if that's what it means. But um, yeah. Although I don't know, don't really know what that's like anymore. True. (laughs) All of that. None of this means anything at the moment, but (laughs) back in the before times. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh god anyway the song and i was really surprised by this actually the song was written to be slower than it than its final kind of upbeat rendition um while the track was recorded in d major the com- commercially released version sounds a quarter tone higher than d major due to smith forgetting to disengage the vera speed function on the multi-track recorder after toying with it before actually recording process took place um, when played live, the song is played in its original intended key as opposed to the speed discrepancy heard on the record. That's interesting. Yeah. 
So it's up a notch. Yeah. So he doesn't. Yeah. Off, off, yeah. And faster. So yeah. I can't. I can't say I noticed that when I. Well, no, but you wouldn't. Uh, but that's that's why I just live, thought it was quite cool. But... <laughs> well, no, you wouldn't. But um... <laughs> obviously. <that> was... <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, well, it was like the thing. I, I suppose they would notice it. It's like when we got the yeah. test records back from our album, and I put it on my record player that was a bit like the the belt clearly needed changing, and it was just a fraction faster than it should be, but enough that I was like. Do I sound like a fucking chicken? Really? Like, <laughs> it's, what is this? Yeah, it's very different if you're playing something or you've played something lots yeah. of times. Like, you feel it in yeah. a totally different way. No, exactly. Um, but yeah, thankfully, it's yeah, it was my record player. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the opening line, "I don't care if Monday's blue," is actually a reference to the new order hit, "Blue Monday." Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm running out of some some interesting facts. I do have a few more details. <laughs> some uninteresting facts. <laughs> some some standard. The track was officially released in 1992 and was taken from the Cure's um, album Wish. The song was a worldwide hit, reaching number six in the UK, and number eighteen in the US, uh, where it also topped the Modern Rock Tracks chart. Also won the the award for European Viewers Choice for Best Music Video at the 1992 MTV Music Awards. And I'll put a link to the music video and you can see for yourself. But it's pretty cool. Um, as I said, like I'm pretty short on facts about the song. Um, <laughs> but here are a few about The Cure in general. And I'm scraping the barrel even with this. <laughs> um, the Cure, which is, which is unfortunate because I'm actually a big Cure fan. <laughs> so you would think I'd know a bit more about them than this but anyway the Cure's song Lullaby was inspired by the disturbing songs Robert Father Robert Father Smith <laughs> I'm just making up names now <laughs> Robert Father Smith that should that's, I, I mean we can just refer to him as that from now on I've well what I was trying to say was Robert Smith's father was what I was trying to say nah, Robert Father um, Smith <laughs> but basically so the song Lullaby was inspired by his father who would sing him um, when he couldn't sleep as a child, songs, but he would make make them up, and they were always like with a horrible ending, like something like "Sleep now, pretty baby, or you won't wake up at all." Oh my God. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, Robert Smith. Um, there's a picture of him with Bob Geldof, which I will share um, on our social channels. Um, anyway, so he's pictured with Bob Geldof, and always vowed that the Cure's music would never be used in adverts. But like all musicians, when they realise that they're not making that much money and could actually make some money with advertising, he broke that promise in 2003 when In Between Days was licensed for use in a Fiat Pinto ad. And in 2007, Pictures of You was used in an ad for HP digital cameras. How do you feel about music being used with ads? I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. Don't really care. Yeah. Don't don't care. Bands have got to make some money. I mean, when you're getting paid for streaming at 0.009 of a pence and someone offers you a few grand to have your music on an advert, why on earth would you say no? Unless it was, I don't know. Well, it depends what it's advertising. Well, yeah, for sure. Like, if it's advertising something, like, offensive or, like, yeah. wrong, then yeah. that would be different. But, yeah, otherwise I don't really see a problem. 
No, I don't either. Um, once, while extremely drunk, Robert Smith bet a friend that he could go around the outside of a hotel, jumping from balcony to balcony. It took him about an hour, as he recalls. <laughs> and once I got to a certain point, it seemed further to go back where he could hear his wife screaming, like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so he thought, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, band antics on tour. Um, the Cure are often described as a Crawley-based band. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Ah, yeah. But Robert Smith was actually born in Blackpool. He explains, when I came down south, I actually got quite a broad, I actually had quite a broad northern accent and the piss was taken out of me mercilessly at school. So he actually was, was from up north um, rather than Crawley, but I suppose they're a Crawley band because the band formed in Crawley. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, call them lame facts. But they are facts all the same. <laughs> so, we, didn't, we didn't necessarily promise, you know, fascinating no. facts. We just So that was me winging it with The Cure, Friday I'm in Love. Well, I still learned things that I didn't know and that I found interesting. Yeah. yeah. Balcony hopping. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely, that was a good one. I liked that one. Selling your soul to advertising. <laughs> Cruel lullabies by parents. God, that story had it all. <laughs> it did. had everything. <laughs> I've got I've got a story about lullaby, but it's not podcast friendly. I'm going to tell you about it afterwards. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Uh, that should have been on the, the Insider podcast. Maybe we'll do another video. Maybe that's what I'll do. Anytime you speak to me from now, I'm just going to film. Maybe you. I'm not sure it's something that I want to share. Um, all right, okay. <laughs> um, right, I've got my my last song for today. I'm also going to keep it fairly short with this cool. one. Uh, so my last song is Monday Monday by the Mummers and Puppers. Monday Monday. That's the one. I feel like the Mummers and Puppers are sort of becoming podcast favourites, aren't they? They're one of... I don't know, we haven't, we haven't talked about them for a while. They've featured quite heavily. But they are one of those ones on. that like to keep popping up, aren't they? Yeah. Sort of find their way into stories. Yes. Um, so, while awaiting the release of California Dreamin', uh, band member Denny Doherty was basically sort of prodding and uh, annoying the songwriter John Phillips to come up with some new material. Um, so Phillips said he would come back in the morning with a song with universal appeal. And what he came back with was Monday, Monday. Uh, so in the way that, you know, uh, Friday I'm in love is about that Friday feeling. Monday, Monday is about that Monday feeling. So it's about the lousy feeling that comes with the end of the weekend and the beginning of another work week. We all know it well, although not right now. Yes. <laughs> um, so Denny Doherty, who sung the lead on the song, um, didn't think much of this song, Monday, Monday, when they recorded it. Uh, he said, nobody likes Monday. So I thought it was just a song about the working man and he said nothing about it stood out to me. It was a dumb fucking song about a day of the week. <laughs> um, and Mama Cass and Michelle Phillips didn't like the song either. Um, and even John Phillips, who wrote it, claimed he had no idea what the song meant. <laughs> um, so they were all very, very surprised when the song became a huge hit. Um, so it was released in March 1966. Um, the background instruments were played by members of the Wrecking Crew, who were sort of like the top tier 
LA studio musicians. And I'd quite mm-hmm. like to do an episode talking more about them because it's really interesting. Um, but it was the group's only number one hit on the US Billboard Hot 100. Really? I would have thought that California Dreaming... That didn't reach number one. Oh. Um, it was the first number one US hit by a recording act containing both genders. Really? Yeah. Which I, thought was... I don't know why these things are surprising me. I'm like, wow. Well, but it is interesting, isn't it? You don't think about things is, this way. Yeah. No. And the main reason I wanted to talk about the song, and I don't have much more to say about it, uh, but it just felt very relevant and needed to be mentioned because of the subject. It was the first Hot 100 chart topper. Let me try that again. It was the first Hot 100 chart topper with a day of the week in the title. Well, I never. And it was That's, that is a good fact. And the only one with Monday in the title. Ah, so they started a trend with yeah. that. So Manic Monday by the Bangles and Rainy mm-hmm. Days and Mondays by the Carpenters both only made it to number two. Ah, but Monday, Monday. Both of those songs I considered doing actually, but because we've done the Bangles, they've come up a few times. But now I can't do those. Then the Carpenters, I thought. Well, hang on, I'm already doing quite a depressing one. <laughs> the Carpenters, it's surely not going to have a happy story, yeah, is it? for sure. So save the Carpenters for another rainy day. And I have to say, I was looking at the lyrics for Monday, Monday, and just to yeah. sort of bring things full circle, it's very, very simplistic. And I can't yeah. help but feel that if you look at that and Friday by Rebecca Black side by side, <laughs> I sort of feel like Patrice Wilson almost modelled Friday on Monday, Monday. Like, really? Yeah, it's the very similar sort of quite inane, like, simplistic... Have you got, have you got the lyrics there? Uh, not in front of me, no. I'm not that organised. Uh, you, you see, you can't tease us for the lyrics and then go, look them up. All right, hold on. You've got, you got to read them out. Just some of them. Give us a taste. I will do. Give me... Two minutes. I'm Google. just filling. I'm filling the airwaves time right now. Just like, <laughs> Monday, Monday. So I can't. So kind of. I just. I was looking at it, and Rebecca Black Friday starts with sort of just like you know some nonsensey type. You know, sat. You know, making noises, lyrics, and so does Monday Monday. It starts with kind of like a ba da ba da 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 type thing, um, and then yeah, it's just like. Hang on, let me find. It's just like Monday, Monday, so good to me. Monday morning, it was all I hoped it would be. Oh, Monday morning, Monday morning, couldn't guarantee that Monday evening you would still be here with me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like... It's very simple. very simple. It's not really saying everything. Every other day, every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's very like... (laughs) Rebecca Black Friday, do you know what I mean? Like it's very much like we I really don't have anything to say right now. <laughs> I really do feel that like Patrice Wilson who wrote Friday was like trying to think of an idea. He thought days of the week songs. I feel like he went I don't know I'm not I mean I'm making this up. I don't know that this happened, yeah. but I very much feel that he went and listened to Monday Monday uh by the Mummers and Papas and sort of took that as inspiration to write Friday. Yeah. Like that makes a lot of sense to me that that was a thing that happened. So yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all I've got for you. But um yeah, it was good though. I just yeah, I just thought it was interesting the fact that that was the the first chart topper with a day of the week in the title and many more followed after it. Yeah. Really really good. Really good. Thank you for that, Kerry. You're very welcome. 
So we're almost at the end of the show. So a bit of housekeeping. If you've got a song or a story that you want us to feature, or if you just want to say hello or tell us that we're great or we're <laughs> shit. We do. Anything, really. We do. We do enjoy, you know, a cheeky compliment every now and then. Exactly. That's nice. And anything really, because we're lonely in lockdown. So, and we do actually respond to things. So you can drop us an email at rockpoprambles at gmail.com or we're on Twitter at Bug Eye Band. And on Facebook and Instagram, it's Bug Eye Music. So, uh, yeah, you can find us in all those places. And we've had great new music this evening from the other ones. And the, who was it you played? And the Dead Freights. The Dead Freights. So make sure you check them out. And like I say, there will be links in the show notes on whatever platform that you listen to podcasts on, including Spotify. Do click in the show notes. And any of the stuff you want to read about or music you want to listen to, we're going to have links in there for you. Um, I think that's about it. But I think we're going to end with a song, aren't we? We are, because we we might have written a Days of the Week song, mightn't we? We did. We did. And rather than just have one day, we thought we'd write about two. Because we're greedy Sunday. like that. Actually, we, say, we, say, we talk about Saturday as well, don't we, innit? Do we? Yeah. Can't remember. Yeah, there is. There is that. <laughs> so it, the song's called... Sunday, Monday, and yes, this is this is self promotion, but it's our podcast, so we can do what we want. Yeah, can do yeah. whatever we want. So it's so our podcast, and we'll self promote if we want to. Doesn't really work, does it? No, I tried, but but well done for trying. So anyway, this has been Rock Pop Rambles, and we're going to end on the song Sunday, Monday, taken from our debut album, Ready, Steady, Bang. So here you go, over and out. Mm-hmm.